Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services or connect with us on Facebook. If you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 is where we are looking today. We're continuing this this series and... uh, he can stay up here to preach. I think, yeah, he's going to be up here sooner or later. Why not start now? Uh, and uh, we're, we're glad that uh, we can, of course, celebrate what God is doing, making it evident. Man, when I saw those numbers that we have 60% of that, of that connection, our young people, man, God give us an army. And that doesn't mean God's done with us older people. We're not done with us. We still, got, we, got, we still got work to do. And I tell you what our job is. Our job is to build up that generation and help fuel them to step into places even further than we've gone. And uh, I've, I've made this my prayer, if it's the Lord's will. You've got to be careful what you say in public because then people are like, I'm holding you to it. Um, but uh, my, my desire and plan is that God in uh, a certain amount of time would identify the next pastor at Faith Assembly and I can start sitting down there and cheer them on and uh, be a part of what God is doing in their life. And uh, whenever that time would be, uh, because uh, we want to see the kingdom advance and go even further than, than it's ever been to this point. Well, uh, we're continuing a series on relationships called United, moving, moving into more together, uh, the significance of relationships. I want to look in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And uh, Paul is writing this letter, and he takes a break from his writing to, to tell uh, the church in Corinth in his second letter how significant they are to him, uh, the encouragement that he got from them. And uh, I want to look at this text together. Why don't we stand in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It'll be on the screen, or you can follow along on the Bible app, or if you have one of these pages called a Bible you can use that as well. Um, here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. You ever been there? It's on the outside and it's on the inside. But God who encourages those who are discouraged. How many know that's what He does? That's who He is. But God who encourages... Those who are discouraged, he encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. Thank God for Titus. His presence was a joy, but so was the news that he brought of the encouragement he received from you, Corinthians, when he told us how much you longed to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me. I was filled with Joy. Did you notice in just a couple verses, Paul said, I'm fighting on the outside and it's even affecting me on the inside. But then I saw Titus and he told me what you said and now I'm filled with joy. God give us a church and a people that because of our encouragement and relationship with each other, it doesn't matter what we face, but we're filled with joy because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So here's the question I want to ask. What do people say or feel when they see you coming? That's the title I want to talk from today, when they see you coming. When they see me coming, what do people people feel and think when they see me coming? Father, I thank you for your word. 
I thank you for life. I thank you, God, that you are knitting us together as the body of Christ even more in these days. God, I pray that we would, that we would become even more connected in your purpose, in your desire, and in your calling. So, Lord, be glorified in our relationships. And, uh, God, as we, as we honor your word, Lord, I pray that it would transform us. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, say amen. amen. You may be seated. As you're being seated today, just tell that person with you, tell them, I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to see you. I hope you mean it. I'm happy to see you. When they see me coming, I want to share just in these moments of the encouragement, the, uh, the impact, the impression that we have upon this world and upon this church together. Your presence sets an atmosphere. Know that today. Your presence sets an atmosphere. Every time you walk into a room, you set the atmosphere. You will either become what is there or you will adjust and set where it needs to be. You will set the atmosphere. Every single one of us have the ability to set the atmosphere. There's always a reaction to someone when someone comes into our space. There's always this response. We can recognize some people bring a sense of calm and security and there are other people who don't. There is the ability to to uh, to be assuring and give confidence and then there are other times where it just seems troubling and and conflicting that we live in a world that is filled with conflict. It's filled with division. It's filled with trouble. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 21. He said, his disciples asked him, he said, what will be the signs of the end times? What will be the signs of the, of the last days? He says that it'll be marked by this, that nations will rise against nations, people against people. He says there'll be earthquakes, there'll be plagues and famines. Then he even says husbands or men will rise against women and fathers will rise against sons. It speaks of a so divided and disoriented and a place of of difficulty and strain and stress. This is the world, but we are the church. And how many know that when we come on the scene, we ought to be able to bring a sense of calm, of consistency, of confidence, and of hope because we are not of the world, but we are of the kingdom of God that is not shaken. And we ought to bring encouragement even in a place of disappointment. That there ought to be an atmosphere that we set by our person, by who we are. Because of us being with Jesus, becoming obvious to those that are around us, that we can be an influence. What do people feel? What is it when people see us coming? There's a variety of, of emotions and feelings that can be expressed by someone's presence. And just to summarize them into two main things, one is this. There are those who build others up and there are others who don't. There are those that when they're around, it encourages them. There are some people that when you're around them, you can't believe how fast the time went. Then there are other people, you wonder when we ever get that part of your life back. You realize that there's moments that it, it, it takes. There's some that give and some that take. But in our lives, that we would be people who are operating in the gift of encouragement. There's a specific gift, and you say, well, is that really a gift? When we become encouraging, it is something, but it's connected specifically to the gift of prophecy. That when we are people who prophesy, that we can operate in a gift of encouragement, that we can speak hope in a world that's difficult. You usually know what kind of person they are. They either build up or tear down, and you're identified by who they are, by what comes out of their mouth. You can either assume a person, if you don't know someone who comes into the space, you can assume because of how they look 
Well, that's not a safe way to judge somebody. How many know it's not good to judge the book by its cover? They might, you might think of something about them, but just because that's how they look doesn't mean that's what you're going to get. And then there's some people we just know what to expect because we've, we've learned and we, what we've come to learn about them. But oftentimes the tone being set by what it is that comes out of our mouths, the things that, that come out of our mouths, do we set the atmosphere that when we, when we speak, what comes out of our mouths, are we building into the disappointment, the discouragement, the struggle, the complaint, that there are the, the words that we can speak and we can add to the atmosphere or we can change the atmosphere. We have the ability to set the atmosphere with our presence. That is everybody who is made in the image of God, but even more so those who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That when we have the power of the living God living on the inside of us, how many know that we have in us greater than he that is in the world? That there becomes an ability for us to not be controlled by the environment, to not be controlled, but to help change and set the atmosphere, to bring a difference in the place that we are, that we would be a place that is encouraging. When there's bad news all around us, when there's division, there's strife, and there's unrest, there's disappointment, there's politics, there's all of that stuff, there's bad news all around us. But in the church, there is good news because we are bringing encouragement and the hope that comes through Jesus Christ alone. It doesn't mean we ignore what's going on out there, but it means this, that in the church, we don't live as people who are controlled by the things of this world, but we live under the control of a God who holds all things together and works all things together for his good and for his glory, a God who has a final say in the matter. What is it for us when people see us coming? Do they feel a sense of encouragement? What is our reputation? Do we, do we have an encouragement about us? Paul was encouraged by God through the arrival of Titus. Notice this, that Paul says he was encouraged. God who encourages the discouraged encouraged him by the coming of Titus. Titus showed up and all of a sudden hope started to rise in Paul's life. All because someone came on the scene. All because someone in the moment came in that place and in that time. Paul was encouraged by Titus because of his presence and because of the words that he shared. Your presence and your words have a way of building up or tearing down. How we respond, how we carry ourselves, we have the ability to set the atmosphere and the ability to bring, to bring encouragement to this world that's around us. Titus was in position to encourage Paul because Titus was of the same spirit as Paul. When we say the same spirit, what does that mean? And by the same spirit, it means the same objective, the same purpose, the same goal, the same heart, the spirit of God. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, of course, is speaking of Titus. He says, for we have the same spirit and walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way. Paul says of Titus, we are, we are brothers united together, that we have this camaraderie. We have this objective and desire and purpose that is moving in the same direction. We are of the same spirit. Let me say to you, it's important to run with people and to connect yourself with people of the same spirit. Be careful who you tie yourself to. You can't be encouraged by someone who is of a different spirit. If they're not moving in the same objective, in the same direction, they cannot encourage you. But when it's someone who is of the Spirit of God, who has the heart of God, when we're in relationship in the right people, that that becomes the ability to bring encouragement. Why? Because we have the ability to recognize the purpose of God and what God is wanting to accomplish in our lives that we're able to encourage and able to move in the same direction. Who are you running with? It doesn't mean that we don't interact with people who are not of faith, 
But the tightest relationships we need to have are the people who are of faith. People who are believers. Listen to what the Bible says, how significant. Paul says these words. He says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? Be careful. The biggest decision that we make, the people that we spend the rest of our lives with, that we, uh, that we connect with people who are in relationship with Jesus Christ, but that's not just in relationships and not just in marital status, but it's also in business relationships. It's be careful who you attach yourself to, that there are people that are in our community. They want to do good things for our community. Absolutely. I'm going to partner with them. But guess what? We're not of the same spirit. So I'm going to partner to some degree and some level. But those that I'm really partnering with are those who know that the true hope and help that we're going to bring is not just by doing good deeds, but by proclaiming the name and the hope of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean we don't give a cup of cold water, but we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. And we connect with those and run with those who have the shared heart. Why? Because two can, one can set a thousand to flight and two even more. That where there's unity and when there's a working together and we're running strong together, we can go further, faster, and accomplish more for the kingdom of God. That means we have the ability as the body of Christ to be in relationship and encouragement that we ought to do more and be more effective and be a place of encouragement because we're running together. You gotta be careful who you run with. You got to be careful who it is, and, and not everyone who proclaims the name of Jesus has a relationship with Jesus. Even as, as Mike said, uh, our, our uh, next-gen pastor, Mike said he had a moment where he believed in God, but then he came to a place he believed God. And there's people who believe in God. They believe God exists, but there's that difference of really walking in Him and surrendering and knowing your relationship with Christ. The right people will lift you up in your trials, but the wrong people will leave you in their tracks. That when we run with the wrong people, when we're in, tying ourselves in the wrong places, they add to our, our burdens. And it's not that we can blame them for them. It's just life itself comes with burdens already. I can't blame people, everybody, for the, the burdens and things that we face. It's called life. But my, my life becomes easier because of the people I'm running with who help carry the load, who help run in a place of encouragement and help carry this. And when you're running with the right people, you become connected and able to accomplish more. And when you're running with the right people, the goals are not just what we can, what an individual can accomplish, but what the kingdom of God can accomplish because at the end of the day, we really are our brother's keeper. We are our brother's keeper. Your future matters to me. Your relationship with Christ matters to me. You being here is not about us having an attendance, not about us having a church growing, not about us having anything else but making disciples and reaching people with the love and the truth of Jesus Christ who will reach people to influence people. We are so committed to seeing Fayette County one with the love of Jesus Christ, to see hope restored, to see poverty broken, to see the addictions that have held this county down, to see that broken by the power of Jesus' name. And that happens through healthy relationships when people meet Jesus and people who meet Jesus meet people who don't, need, who don't know Jesus and they become people who do know Jesus. That it becomes this relational impact and the goal of which we have. You and I are not here to serve the purpose of faith assembly. You and I are here to serve the purpose of the kingdom of God advancing through Fayette County. That's the heartbeat. We're on the same page. We're of the same spirit. 
So if you go, if, if, if we've got individuals who go to another church, you don't need to invite them to come to this church. They're already on our team. We're already on the same page. They go to a church. We need to find the people who don't know Jesus, who don't have hope, who don't have the, the knowledge of what it is to know the hope that is in Jesus Christ. We are our brother's keeper. We are on the same page. We're of the same spirit. It's important to run with the people who have the same spirit running in the same direction. The reason for this it's because having the right partners around you are crucial for the moments when you hit the low points in life. There are low points in life. You know, I love that Paul is being so vulnerable and real here. Paul, who wrote the, a lot of the New Testament, who was an apostle, Paul says, I was facing opposition on the outside and I was discouraged on the inside. Paul's at a low point. I think Paul's at a place of feeling isolated, discouraged. Guess what? Spiritual people don't get a bypass of discouragement. 2020 has been my favorite year to pastor in. That was a joke. (laughs) You didn't laugh. That was a bad joke. This is, it's discouraging. There are moments. Now, that's not me saying, you know, woe is me. I'm not the only we're not the only church and the only pastor walking through these different days and this different time. We're all in this together. Someone said we're all in the same water, maybe different boats, but we're all in the same water. And this is just, this is the place that we're in. And guess what? It gets discouraging. There are times it gets discouraging along the way. And Paul has this moment and Paul is discouraged. But he's, he has the, the place he says to them, he says, that they had an impact because of their words to him that came through Titus. Now, Paul doesn't give the detail of what his troubles were in this letter, but we can assume what some of those were because we knew what Paul went through. Uh, Paul, when he before he got to Macedonia, was in Ephesus, was chased out of Ephesus because of a riot. There were those who tried to kill him, and so he had, was running for his life. He also said in other places that there were false teachers in the church in Corinth and other areas that he asked the question. He said, I hope that my work is not in vain, that there are those who are falling away from the gospel. Falling, and, and he's asking the question, is this even worth it? Is this even going to last? Is this even going on? It feels like it's, it's for nothing. It doesn't feel encouraging. There are moments each of us have in life that we become discouraged. And all of a sudden, there are those times where it's, it's different Sundays. And not all every Sunday, but there have been Sundays where it's been, oh God. I'm tired, and oh God, I don't know if this is working. Oh God, I don't know. Oh God, I can't, I can't please everybody. Oh God, I can't. And you come in this place of discouragement, and then there's some of you that just watching you walk into the room all of a sudden brightens up my day. All of a sudden, I see you walk into the room, and I see the faithfulness of, of you, of individuals. And I tell you what, you encourage me. You encourage me because of your heart, your, your faithfulness, your, your desire, your commitment. I'm encouraged when I, when I watch you. I feel like Paul, when he, he was encouraged because here's Titus. I've never gone through anything Paul went through, so let me just throw that in there. I have not been shipwrecked. I've not been beaten. I have the worst. Um, I don't even know, but I have not had anything like Paul. But let's just be real. It doesn't matter what your disappointment. After time, it can easily turn into discouragement. And every single person walks through discouragement, but, but thank God for Titus. Thanks, thank God for faithful people who just show up, who just remain consistent, 
who show up at points in time when they might not even realize that they're showing up means that much, but they came at just the right time. And you know what? That's a God who, the God who knows how to encourage every discouraged person shows up and brings me a Titus at just the right moment. Have you ever had that text message from somebody and the moment it came, it was like, wow, I wonder if they knew something. Do you ever have that moment where it was like somebody said, hey, I was just thinking of you. I had a couple of... Uh, months ago, a friend of mine, Austin Jones, out in Alaska, or up in Alaska, in Alaska, um, and uh, I had uh, just had a difficult conversation with someone, and it was just a, it was a difficult conversation, and um, uh, was just one of those moments of, oh God, I, my heart is for you, and I hope, I just want to handle this right, and man, and so I'm, you ever had that moment where you, you know you have to have the conversation, and then you feel like, Man, did I do it the right way? Did I say the right thing? Did I do it the right Anybody ever have that moment that you go back and second guess and wonder if you, you know, your heart's to honor God? God, did I do it the right way? And literally, just as the conversation was over and I'm in this kind of wrestling match, I get a message from Austin Jones from Alaska and said, Hey, bro, just woke up this morning. You're on my mind. And I just felt like telling you whatever the wrestling is, it's already done. It's over. You won. And I'm like, Cool. How many know that's a God who knows how to send a Titus at just the right time? Austin didn't know what was going on. He said, man, I just felt like whatever you're walking through, God already knows it. It's good. He had no idea, but at just the right moment. Do you know that might seem insignificant, but those are the very things at just the right moment when we walk in the sensitivity, the sensitivity of God and the love for people that we can become the body of Christ encouraging. And guess what? When I see you coming, man, it brightens my day. Man, when I see you show up, it lifts a load off my shoulders. When I see you in the, in the, in the place, when I, when I see you, it, you bring an encouragement. Oh, that our lives would be that. Because there's moments that we're going to reach low points. Titus was an encourager. But notice this, Paul was also encourageable. Get this, Paul who said, I had opposition on the outside and I was depressed or disappointed and discouraged on the inside. I'm feeling it outside, and I'm feeling it on the inside emotionally. I'm fighting battles outside and within. And he said, I'm facing this. And all of a sudden, Titus shows up, and his spirits lift. Notice this. He was encouraged while he still remained in the same circumstances. Encouragement doesn't mean your circumstances go away. Encouragement means someone is there, and you know you don't have to do it alone. Jesus is, it says of the Holy Spirit, he's the paraclete. And by paraclete, it's the Greek word that means to come alongside. It's, it means comforter. But the best way to describe comforter doesn't even say it completely. But the word comforter and paraclete means this, to carry my burdens with me, that I don't walk alone, that the Holy Spirit, notice this, that oftentimes we too often want encouragement and the encouragement comes by I want someone to take care of things and to do this for me so I don't have to. I want somebody to make my problems go away and I will only be encouraged if my problems are gone and all of a sudden I wake up and I feel good because everything's back to where it belongs. How many know that's not encouragement? That's an attitude of entitlement. That I deserve this, it needs to be given. Here's what paraclete is, is to come, come alongside and help and assist. Now, Jesus fought our battle. He did the one thing for us that we could not do. What was that? He died on the cross and overcame sin that separated us for eternity. Jesus did what we could not do. You, he, we were not partners in that. He did that all by himself. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
and his love gave us, gave us redemption. He bought us back. Now because he bought us, he called us so, to the point that the same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells inside of us. Guess what? Now I have the Holy Spirit in me, which gives me the power and makes me an overcomer through Jesus Christ. I am now walking with the power of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I am now encouraged. There are times I need to be like David and encourage myself in the Lord. Oh, but I thank God for Tituses that come around and encourage me because they have a spirit of God inside of them and the spirit of God comes alongside of me and says, hey, I'm here with you. I'm walking with you. God's not done with you. He's still in this. He knows how to work. He's not giving up on me and he brings people in our midst to show us that that there's a hope and a future that God is causing things to move forward for his good and on our behalf, that he's for us. And here's the ability of being encourageable. To be encourageable means to not expect that everything's going to just go back to normal, but to know that you're not alone and you're going to make it and whatever it is that God's going to bring you through and all things are going to work together for the good and for God's glory and you're going to see something greater on the other side of this. And you need encouragement sometimes to get through that. We need encouragement. We need people to come alongside and, and to walk with us. How the Corinthians turned towards Paul was evidence of God working in their lives because Paul was encouraged by Titus's presence, but also by the words that he shared. Titus said these words to Paul. He said, I'm glad to report to you, my summary and variation of what Titus said. Uh, he says to Paul, when, when uh, Paul is encouraged because Titus is there, he says, hey, the church in Corinth that you wrote your first letter to, uh, they said that they're happy to see you. They can't wait to see you. They also said they're sorry for what they had done. And they also said that they have a zeal and a loyalty and a, and a, a desire to be a part of what you're doing. Paul was now encouraged because of the Corinthians' turn of heart. Because the evidence or how we turn towards one another is the evidence of God at work in our lives. The evidence of God working in our lives is not by what we do in ministry, but by how we do in relationship. The evidence of God working in our lives. Can I tell you, it scares me that I could stand up here and still preach in front of you and still live ungodly behind you. You say, that can never happen. I pray to God it will not happen because I've got people around me. But I've watched it happen. I've watched it where immoral and ungodliness creeps in and we operate in the ministry, but our relationships look like dung. That we do the work in front but the way we treat people. And the ministry that you do, that can have, that can have impact. That's God's work. Because the word will never return void. That's the power of God's word. God can use a donkey. He can use, I mean, look what he does. So don't be impressed. God doesn't need a special vessel. He'll use a willing one. But I'll tell you what will make greater impact. Relationships. Healthy relationships. So what does it look like to partner together? I want to look at these three things that Paul is encouraged by, by Titus because Titus said these th- three things from the Corinthian, the church in Corinth. And he says this. He says, first of all, he says that I want to see you. 
And, and I think, what do we say to each other? What, what do godly partnering relationships say? Here's one is, I want to see you. Notice that Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and when he writes the first letter, he says to them, hey, I'm writing this to you because you have people in leadership who shouldn't be in leadership. You've got things happening in the church that shouldn't be going on to the church in Corinth. And then he says to them, he says, if you think I'm only strong in my writing, don't make me show up there in person. He says, if you think I'm, 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 I'm strong in my writing and timid in person, I'll show you when I, when I get there. And so this is the first letter being given to the Corinthians. And so the Corinthians are reading letters, reading the letter that says, hey, there's immorality going on in the church. There's an abuse of the gifts of the Spirit. There are people in leadership who shouldn't be in leadership. You're not operating things according to the ways of God. And notice when, when now Titus brings the word back to Paul after the first letter, Paul is wondering, I wonder what they're going to say now when I said to them, don't make me show up there in person. You know what they said? We can't wait to see you. Now, it wasn't this, bring it on, Paul, come along. It was this change of heart that says, we want to see you. We want to be with you. Notice that if we're in a partnering relationship, if we're in godly relationship where there's encouragement taking place, we ought to be people who want to see each other, that we want to be together. What what am I saying there? I'm saying this in, in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. How do you encourage one another? Coming together. This is the means by which we encourage one another. The body of Christ to encourage one another. When you are in the place of worship with other people, it's, it's worship to God and it's encouragement to each other. It's building up the body of Christ. He says, don't forsake the assembly or coming together, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How many know we're getting closer and closer? And guess what happens? The Bible says when we get closer and closer, there'll be people who fall away and fall away, which is why I feel so strong to preach these words on relationship because if we're not connected in Christ and if we're loosely connected to the body we'll easily fall away when things get shaken guess what the things that are on held loosely fall off but the things held tightly remain and my prayer is that you would be you would remain in the days of shaking in the days of trouble, in the days of struggle and disappointment, that we would not be loosely connected to God, loosely connected to the things of God, but that we would be tightly brought together and encouraged. They said this, and I believe that we say and when in this partnering relationship, I want to see you. I want to see you. I look forward to Sundays being together. I look forward to Sundays. There's some Sundays, let's just be honest, and there's sometimes I'm just tired in the process, but I've told you already, but my spirits get lifted the moment I see certain, certain people. When I see you come in, when I see you in this place, it brings an encouragement. I want to see you. Here's the second thing I think that we say to each other in partnering relationships is this, that we learn how to say, I trust you. Notice Paul says to them, his letter is, I've got to correct you. Some things need put in place. Some things need to be in their place. And the people respond to him, we're sorry for what happened. There's now a change of heart. There's a repentance. You know how that relationship happens with one another? The ability to say, I'm sorry. Did you ever notice that's a hard word for some people to say? Or a hard phrase? I'm sorry. Um, it's hard because it's, it's humbling. It's acknowledging that I'm in the wrong. It's acknowledging that there's an adjustment and something that needs to be made. Guess what? When we're in a relationship of trust, 
it allows me to say, hey, I trust you enough that when you speak into my life that there's going to be moments I need to adjust, but I trust you. I'm going to open my heart to you, and you open your heart to me, and we can have this trusting relationship, and you can speak to me because I know you're good. You're looking out for me, and you have my best interest in mind. Now, if we're sitting here today and we're thinking, well, that sounds nice. No, that's the way relationships are supposed to be in the body of Christ. That I can say things to my wife in the right heart, but having her best interest in mind. And she can say things to me in the right heart, having my best interest in mind. That I can say things to to individuals on this team, in this church, and you can say things to me. Why? Because our hearts are open to one another and we trust. There's a level of trust Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Oh dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I am asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. Paul is saying, I'm trying to speak to you, but you're keeping a wall up. You're, you're, you're on guard and on defense, and you're, you're, you're not hearing and opening your heart to receive what I'm trying to say. But when we're in a, in, a, in a healthy partnering relationship, our hearts can be open to one another, and we can have this trust. Here's the last thing. And the last thing is this, that we, say, that we ought to be able to say in healthy, godly partnering relationships, I want to see you, I trust you, and the last one is this, I got your back. I got your back. People might say what they say about you. But guess what? I'm not going to jump on what people say about you. And if they say anything about you, I'm going to come to you. And I'm going to talk to you. You know why? Because you're my brother. I'm not going to join what's going on and the putting down and the talking about and adding to the atmosphere of negative and put down, I'm going to set the atmosphere of, that's my brother. That's my sister. You know, we've said this before that, you know, you had siblings in school and you didn't let people mess with your siblings. You're my brother. You're my sister. That this relationship that we have that becomes this, this, I'm looking out for you. It says here that they said to Paul, they said that we are loyal. They, they said um, that they're sorry for what happened. And Titus also reports, reports how loyal they are to Paul. How loyal. Paul says, you become loyal to me. And here's what loyal is. Not you're, you're not, we're not servants of one another. We're servants with one another that we serve one another, that we serve each other in the body of Christ, that we are here for each other, that we're building each other up, that the way we do church, the way we do church, I probably feel this a little, not a little strong, but this has not been the easiest series to preach. But I keep seeing this and feeling this call to, there's been this monster under the bed ever since I've been in church since I was two years old. Now, thanks be the Lord, it, uh, church politics are not a huge thing here. I say that, let me just tell you. I've been a pastor's son, and I've been friends to many pastors, and I have never had a bad board to work with at this church. This is a, this is a church that loves their pastor, that honors the pastor, 
and a board of individuals who have always been honorable. And so I bless the Lord. Jody and I say this often, boy, we have it nice. We are blessed. But in relationships, I've watched in the church where it's like there's this monster under the bed, but we don't deal with it. We just let it there. And the monster under the bed is, man, we, we talk in tongues, but then we talk about people like this. I was probably in uh, my senior year of high school. My dad was, was a pastor. And I came to a place where I said, God, I love you. I love Jesus, but I don't know about the church. My dad, because he didn't agree with something that was being done, was all of a sudden discredited and put down. And even to the place where he was immediately made to leave the church. It really came down to a issue of giving one person their want over honoring the whole body. And my dad made the decision that, no, we don't let one person have their way. We honor the whole body. And that was not what one person wanted. And one person had enough power. And one person made hell and I said God I remember being a teenager and we were knowing the tension was happening and I walked in on a Sunday school room and there were two board members sitting on the table talking about my dad I left that room and I thought what a joke I'm a kid who wants to believe that we walk in Christ, and I've grown up to learn it's not all roses. But in the midst of what I've learned, I've also come to say, but we're going to show the world how it's really done. Just because that's not how people do it doesn't mean that's not how God's people should. That we need to model, and in these last days, I feel it more and more, that in these last days, guard your heart. The spirit of deception will come in. In the moment of shaking, what's held loosely, you know what? They're going to start shaking and start saying things about the church, about pastors, about people, about things. And if you're loosely connected, I knew it. You'll fall right back. I knew we couldn't trust them. I knew it wasn't real. I knew it wasn't. Or we'll become people in the midst of, it might be discouraging, might be disappointing, but we become a Titus to each other. And as a Titus, I'm bringing words of encouragement. Hey, I know the day is long, but let's look up our redemption's drawing nigh. I know there's disappointment. I know there's uneasy and difficult days, but our God who goes before us, he knows how to work all things together. That there's a God who is bringing about greater things. It's not over yet. You know what that's called? The gift of prophecy. Here's what the Bible says about prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14. One who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. How many know we need some people to come alongside and to do this life? That we need some people who have the gift of prophecy. Can I tell you what the gift of prophecy sounds like? The gift of prophecy sounds like, I'm so glad you're here. And I believe God is going to do great things in your life as you trust him. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. That's the gift of prophecy. I love you, 
and I'm so glad God brought you into my life, you are such a blessing to me. That is the gift of prophecy. When you speak over your children words of encouragement, when you speak words over your children like, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. You're going to live for God. You're going you're gonna, to you're, you're have the love of Jesus in you. You're going to be a light in your world. You know what? You're, you're prophesying. When you speak over your wife, your spouse, and you tell them how much you love them and how much you're glad you married them, you do it all over again. That's prophecy. You know why? Because it encourages. It builds up. It comforts. Sure, prophecy is, this is what the Lord says, that at this time next month, you're going to walk through this place, and it's going to, that's prophecy. That's prophecy that is still the same level of prophecy that encourages, that builds up, and comforts people. God, make us a house of prophets. Make us a house of prophets. That when the world says, can you believe what they did? prophesy and believe that whatever they did God's still working I'm looking forward to greater things I'm going to prophesy and believe that my eyes aren't looking to the left or to the right I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus the author and the finisher of my faith and I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living I'm going to prophesy I'm going to speak life I'm going to speak with the breath that I've got I'm going to build you up because you're my brother and my sister in Christ and you're going to have low points and guess what when I walk in the room I hope it brightens your day and you know what when you walk into my room I want it to brighten my day because we're the body of Christ that when we see you coming it brings a sense of hope because we speak with the breath that we have giving life it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise Don't use your breath tearing down the body of Christ. Let's use our breath. Let's build one another up. Let's use our breath.